Hey, good afternoon, everyone. How's everyone doing out there? This is the Soon to Be Named Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Stapleton. Uh, we're here with some special guests today. Uh, we're here, one, with uh, weather intern Caroline. She is from University of Oklahoma, the soon to be Bob Stoopless Oklahoma uh, as well, but that's a topic for another podcast. Caroline, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. See, here we go. She's the best best we have here. Anyway, we are also uh, joined by a, a member of the St. Arnold team. St. Arnold, the oldest craft brewery here in the state of Texas. For those of you that have not tried it, shame on you. Yeah. You should it as well. <laughs> Lenny, nice to see you again, sir. How you Thank doing? Thank you. Uh, good to be here, sir. Um, yeah, man. If you haven't tried St. Arnold or any craft beer, what are you doing? Again, shame on you. I mean... You're probably not a sophomore in college anymore. Let's step up the game a little bit. That's right. You can shotgun their beers, I promise. <laughs> right. Not that I endorse things yeah, like that. Right. Just saying. It's a, a quality, not quantity. Correct. Correct. That's right. That is the craft beer. Right. At that Absolutely. Point. Absolutely. Uh, so what I wanted to talk about uh, today, or what we wanted to kind of gauge in here, Lenny, is the fact that it has now been 23 years mm-hmm. since uh, your founder, Brock, had this vision, if we want to call it that, this idea that we can make quality good craft beer in the state of Texas, something that 23 years ago was probably unheard of, given that you had, you know, the Shiners of the world and the Lone Stars and some of the others, and Pearl, even if you get over on the east side towards Beaumont. Yeah, sure. But nobody was really, and, you know, 20 some years ago, big players at that point were talking were either West Coast, yeah, they were fairly regionalized. Sierra Nevada. Correct, right. Tom. Or you had Jim Cook and his yep. team up in Boston. Right. With the you know, that was a beer company. That was about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, really, I've been there 10 and a half years, and even when I started, there was still the, the your first thing to talk about at an event or whatever was not who we were as a brewery. It was what craft beer was first. Right. And then you move on to, and we're this type of brewery because blah, blah, blah. So um, I think that's obviously changed. But, you know, I I still think um, even though it is more prevalent, you're still introducing yourselves to people. I mean, we've been around 23 years, like you said, and we'll still go to events and are explaining, oh, yeah, we're in Houston. We're a brewery in Houston, and we're overlooking downtown. Oh, yeah, I've seen that building before. I didn't know what it was. So, um, Even though it does have the big St. Arnold Bishop yeah, on the sure. side of the building. But I, I think this is still accurate. I think about 2% of the beer sold in the city of Houston is craft beer, still. Yeah. I mean, that's how... Uh, how still relatively small it is even though it's prevalent but um so there are still battles to be won uh, as they say yeah well and and so thinking just in the last 20 years Mm -hmm. it's 23 years it is you can even speak to the last 10 that you've been there yeah do you feel that even within that two percent that it's becoming more popular not necessarily just as like a fad thing oh i like craft beer yeah but and do you feel like people are starting to understand more about craft beer, more about the philosophy and almost the personality behind it, and, and are then championing it to others that don't at that point? Well, I think um, our goal is to make the term craft beer obsolete, one thing, where it's just beer, you know, to where that's what people are drinking. It's not like this 
whole kind of subset. And I think it, it is um, melding between where, I mean, at least for me, obviously I work in the business, and I know for you, who's, who's a craft beer guy, when you're just talking about, hey, let's go get a beer, you're not talking about, let's go get a Coors Light tonight right. or whatever. You know, right. that, that's just what that means, let's get a beer. So that's um, still, we're, we're trying to make that synonymous with beer. Um, and, you know, it, it, it has changed. People, people know if I'm wearing a St. Arnold logo shirt, they'll ask me about it. Um, they are interested in the culture. They want to come to the brewery. And I think that that actually has been the key to the growing growing success is just getting people to different breweries, whether that's ours that's been around a long time or somebody new like Holler Brewing, you know, that's off Washington Avenue or City Acre, which is a little tiny operation um, on the north side. side, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it's just getting those people to go to those places and trying the beer because, you know, once they try a City Acre beer, even if they've never had a St. Arnold, then the next time they're in H-E-B, they're like, oh, I had this blonde at City Acre, so what is the equivalent uh, for St. Arnold, this other local brewery? Yeah. So just getting people to go to the brewery. And that's always been Brock's philosophy, too, is getting people to come to the place that it's made because then they have ownership of it. And I think that's a really important point, you know, and over the last we were just discussing here two, three years, we've really seen a big explosion all across, not only just within the loop itself, which yeah. I know sometimes people can get really centric within that, but you've got these smaller operations um, that are really taking a chapter out of this is a part of the community that we live mm-hmm. and we work in, and we really want to be a part of the fabric of that community. You know, the ones I think of with that are 11 below Yeah, as you get up on 290 there. Or even, let's go further than that, get out to Lone Pine. Yeah, right. Out of Magnolia. Um, you know, I think I described it as almost being like a Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> Literally sure. at a brewery that's <clears throat> next to the train tracks. Yeah. And you're, you're waiting for, you know, like Mon Pa Kettle to walk out right. with that as well. But, you know, I, I think it, it goes back to that idea what you're saying of ownership, that that's the important thing, that we're seeing this big explosion over the last couple of years. Well, before Prohibition, um, there were just uh, sort of that European model where it's brewery on every corner, and it's your neighborhood brewery, and that's where you go. Right. Um, and so, you know, Eureka Heights, 11 Below, Sigma, the, the ones that have opened up really in the last three years, two to three years, um, are kind of... That, that's what they're going with. It used to be that we were the only brewery, so you would have to come from wherever, and now there are more local ones. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, we've seen um, a slowdown in, like, our Saturday tour numbers. You know, Brock started those Saturday tours in 94, a couple weeks after o- opening the brewery, and it was, you know, five people the first time or whatever. Um, and then we kind of hit a peak of, like, 1,400 people on a Saturday, when we were still relatively the only brewery, maybe there was Southern Star open at that time, and that may have even been it. But then the more that have opened, um, you know, our numbers have slowed on a Saturday, but we're also still growing as a company, overall beer sales. So I think that just kind of speaks to that people are going to other places to check out breweries, but they're still... I, I think with St. Arnold, they know they can rely on the beer. They know it's always going to be good and clean, and it's not going to be infected, and it's reliable. Right. Um, so you may go to other breweries to try the beer and buy that at other places, but when you go to H-E-B or Kroger or whatever, 
um, you know you're going to... You know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know what you're going to get every time. And I think that's a struggle for new breweries opening up. Maybe in your homebrew recipes they were good, but can you do that all the time? Can you, can you replicate that? Yeah, and we want them to. Sure. Because if somebody's <clears throat> first taste of a craft beer is uh, not good, and that's the first time they've ever had something like that, an IPA, a blonde ale, or whatever, um, then they might be less inclined to try it again. So we actually want other beer to be good and support other local and independent breweries. Yeah. So how do you feel that, that overall, and I don't think anyone that looks into starting businesses, in particular restaurants, and of course breweries across the state of Texas understands that some of the laws and guidelines and how to get mm -hmm. that going can be a little cumbersome. I mean, I'm you know, yeah. using, using that term <laughs> nicely. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, the distribution. And getting worse sometimes. And getting worse sometimes, <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, whereas, you know, you have uh, like the West Coast, San Diego, for example, yeah. the beer hub, the Pacific Northwest, you know, well known for its craft breweries and, and um, wineries and this and that, and even some on the East Coast. Do you think that's a bit of a hindrance sometimes that people don't necessarily want to open up or, or the scene, I guess I should say, is not as broad as it could be, given the fact that this is the fourth largest city in the country yeah. and the Texas, the size of it is, should have more breweries than any other state across mm -hmm. the entire country? Um, yes. <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, I, I do think the laws do not make it friendly. And it's, it's a shame because as a whole, Texas likes to pride itself in a pro, as a pro-business state, a pro-small business state. And right now, currently in the legislature, there is a bill that um, flew through the House and the Senate in like record time and is sitting on the governor's desk and we are lobbying for him to veto it. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but as, as we are speaking right now, it's still sitting on his desk. Um, and it would make us pay a tax to our distributors for the beer that we sell in our tap rooms. Now there's some qualifiers to that, but that's the basic end of the bill and what it would do. Um, and this is definitely something that was pushed through with distributor money that a lot of us don't have and distributor lobbies. Um, so I think something like that would discourage a brewery from opening or somebody like, um, like Oscar Blues opened up a tap room in Austin recently. And I don't know for sure, but if this law, if the governor signs this law, I think they would probably regret even coming into the state. And they've come into the state and they've created jobs and we drink their beer and actually one of our brewers went over there to work, so we have a connection there. Um, so even though it doesn't directly today affect St. Arnold if it was signed into law, it would still affect the industry and that's not what we're trying to do. Yeah, so, like I said, yes, I do think that some of the laws are hindrances. And if, you know, a Sierra Nevada wanted to open up a Texas outpost, I think that would be, they that would give them pause because of that new law that they would have to pay distributors for doing nothing, right. um, just a tax on beer that is sold in their own tap room. Yeah. And I'll say this, that Texas is the only state in the country that does not allow off-premise sales. So in every other state in the country, you can walk into a brewery and uh, purchase a six-pack, a growler, a keg, whatever that is, to go. 
and Texas is the only state in the country that does not allow that. Because they have to become brew pubs at that point. No. Yeah, yeah. Te There's different classifications, correct. But um, in every other state, you can do that. And again, pro-small business, pro-business Texas, low-regulation Texas does not allow that. So I think that just goes to show the levels at what um, interested parties will go to to keep those things from happening. And some of the growing pains that a lot, not only yourselves, but some of the newer craft breweries are, are, are running into here across the state of Texas. Yeah. Well. Um, thank goodness, though, a lot of them, I think it basically, come, basically comes down to if you make good beer, then you've got a little bit of cushion to kind of run with it. Uh, people are interested enough in new breweries and trying what's new and going to visit a new brewery that um, if you are a Eureka Heights, Holler, uh, 11 Below, like you mentioned, those newer ones, then um, you've got some rope to kind of get started up. And then it's what you do after you get up to like five to 6,000 barrels of production. If you can push it past that, then that's changes. the difficult part. Yeah. yeah. And each one of those uh, newer breweries, uh, as uh, Lenny just mentioned there as well, if you are interested in uh, some of those, you can jump over to our quicktohouston.com page. All you got to do is do the search for What's Brewing in Houston. I actually uh, detailed about nine or ten of the uh, newer ones as well. St. Arnold's on my list. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> well, you've been there. I've been there, but we've never been there. Yes, yes. We're going we're gonna, to uh, refire that series back up. We've got some of the newer ones we want to hear. <laughs> on the beer it. beat. That's right. It's you know, Look, it's a tough job. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it around. Forget yeah. about weather, man. That's right. Uh, it, it ties you know, well. Ronnie Crocker from The Chronicle um, was a full-time beer writer pretty much like seven years ago or so when we were one of the only breweries and then now he's the assistant business editor and we don't have a full-time beer writer anymore so my point is i think that that is a I like where you're a, a spot of need in our community i would agree i i, I could say personally i really enjoyed doing that yeah. um and, and not just because you know around here people are like, oh you just got to drink free beer and i'm like I, I mean, yeah, it was but. you know, it, it was it was nice to meet people that have such a passion for what they do and the stories behind that, and that's the part I think I love about you know, obviously starting with Frock Story twenty three years ago, yeah. But you have all of these brewers that were oil and gas executives, that were lawyers, that mm -hmm. were in human resources, that did something way out there, and they just happened to homebrew on the weekends yeah. in their garage and. They it's thought, smart people. Yeah, they're, they're, some were um, you know mechanical engineers. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Platypus Brewing has uh, Catherine, the first female head brewer, yeah. in one of only the few across the country. Yep, and her stuff is dynamite. Yeah, it's really, really good. And so, I, I, that to me is another example of um, you know when you find people that have a passion for what it is they want to do, and I think what you put it best: if you make good beer, people will come and find it. Yeah, you know, regardless of, of whatever rules or regulations are out there that they have to go through. So clean is the word I use to yeah, describe that's beer. That's a great lately. way to describe yeah. is it. it it's just is it clean? And I know I'm, if you're not a, a craft beer person, you're listening to this. That may be hard to kind of differentiate. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, because there's you kind of know when you know. out there that'll say clean, crisp right. taste. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's so, not what I'm talking about. So explain but. to him what you mean by clean, because I think that's a good point for him. Um, so sometimes. Uh, the flavors can be sort of muddy or, you All know, infected. Yeah, but clean is just, God, I don't know. It is, it's really hard to describe. Yeah. It's just when you know, you know. And I, I kinda, I've always kind of felt like craft beer people kind of go through an arc where 
you've been introduced to it and you're really excited about it, then you're really into like limited releases and high alcohol beer and that's all that matters is that kind of stuff, the limited stuff or the stuff that you trade. Um, and then it comes back down again to where you just want something that's good and clean and, um, you know, local and you're fine. Maybe you like three or four different styles and as long as you can kind of get that, then you're great. So um, that's sort of the arc of a craft beer fan to me. Um, that's, you know, the journey I went through and I, you see people all the time where at, at one point it's, if it's not rare, then it's not good. But now I don't. I don't even really know many people that are like that anymore. Yeah. That you just you just want something that's good. And again, where it just becomes beer, something you enjoy, and you have a couple of every night, every other night, and um, that just becomes part of what you want. And it's still exciting to go to new breweries and search out new stuff. But whenever I travel, I just and I'm sure you're the same way. Just okay. What's local? What's good? Yep. Is what you ask right. a bartender, a brewery, or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that to <clears> me. And I know a lot of folks might see that too. Is that that's part of the fun of it, you know, getting to not only know and and be able to experience and savor some of the local tastes that they have, but you get some of the local flavor of that place as well. Yeah, sure. If you're, you know, in a let's say Hayes, Kansas, for example, with a couple of breweries there, or if you're, um, you know, out in Idaho, yeah, with some of those breweries, you know, you're not only getting what they feel is good beer at that point, but you're also getting a flavor of that community of that environment yeah so everything's going to be a little different you know and, and i think me personally that's how you uh, sort of figured out what you like what your tastes are you know do you like it a little more earthy do you like things a little lighter do you like it super high hops whatever and you know i think that goes back to the idea of what you were saying is, is that that's what's really seeing a bit of an explosion in people that are trying craft beer mm -hmm. is because they really want to try some of these different flavors and tastes at that point do you feel like that's happening locally here in Houston. Obviously, craft beer scene here not as prevalent as it is on the West Coast and even parts of the Northwest, as we mentioned before. But do you feel like it's headed in that direction over the next ten years, next twenty years? Yeah, um, and and I think the, a lot of the flavors match the area. We have focused on sessionable beers lately, um, where it's you know the lower alcohol stuff that you can have two or three of and be fine. Let's be real, like in the middle of the summertime here. Yeah, right. It's 95, you get something super heavy, you're going to yeah. fall over and, and pass out. And most people don't, don't want that. So we've had right. lawnmower for years, crisp, refreshing, good for after mowing the lawn. But then recently we've re, uh, released 5 o'clock pills, which is kind of a... Which is done, by a, the way. A, thank you. Crispy, hoppy, Pilsner, pub crawl pale ale. Again, a, a under 5% alcohol beer. That's really good to... Um, enjoy, you know, three or four of on a pub crawl, something like that. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, and in Texas, even though the scene, maybe we don't have as many breweries, when you walk into a beer cooler at an HEB, a Specs, a Kroger, a Randall's, there is no reason to buy mass-produced light American lager. There are plenty of options um, in the craft section. So, you know, the excuse that, well, there wasn't anything else really doesn't hold water anymore because even at convenience stores, they'll options. have a good selection yeah. of, of craft beer. Uh, the tricky thing is that, you know, if you care about that sort of thing, is trying to decipher what's really like a local and independent brewery and which one is sort of, as they call, crafty and is maybe owned by the big guys and they're trying to come into that scene because they see it happening as well. Sure. 
Um, but you know, just do a little research if you want to support small and local and independent companies, and it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, and the best part is too is that we've got a lot of uh, links on our website to St. Arnold to everybody else. Yeah. If you want to find out more information about that, or you can just go to the brewery, brewery themselves. Always somebody there that is more than happy to talk yeah. beer. I mean, that's just that's what the guys yes, are. Yeah, they like to talk beer. Crazy. Speaking <laughs> of, interestingly enough. Coming up on the 23rd anniversary for St. Arnold yep. this weekend, this week, six different, I believe it's six, isn't it? Uh, it's six or five. 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 Six you. with us. There we go. Yeah. So five different breweries mm-hmm. around town here created tribute beers. Basically, they took some of your staples mm-hmm. and did their own twist on them. Yeah. Um, and they've been released all over town each night this week. Uh, I got a chance to go Monday night, and I have to say... I thought all five knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, normally you do one of those, you get like one or two, you're like, that's really good. And yeah. then you're like, eh, it's a bit of a swing and a miss. <laughs> but I thought all five were outstanding. He and was there for real. He's not just saying that every Yes, day. I really I was, saw him across the I room. really was there. I saying hello, but he was definitely there. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but uh, some of the ones that uh, from Eureka Heights has yep. done one, Brash Brewing Company. Yep. Uh, Lone Pine, right? Southern Star, yep, and then B fifty two, right? Correct. And if folks want to try those, if they're listening to the podcast here, they're going to be over the next couple of nights. Where they're going to be? Yeah. So if you're hearing this today on Thursday, uh, it will be at Hop Scholar in Spring, then Nobi, which is down on the southeast side, which is a really cool like Vietnamese and food and craft beer bar, and then Cottonwood on Sunday, and then there's a couple uh, next week even. We have them all on our website, Um This was a, a thing that we actually didn't really have a hand in. Uh, ben from Brash Brewing, which is another one of those that's opened in the last couple of years, uh, kind of came to us and said, okay, this is what we're doing. And we were like, all right. you know, we, That we, sounds and, like Ben, too. Yeah, right. And in some ways, we kind of felt weird about it because we didn't want people to think, it was, hey, everybody, come like, kiss, kiss the same ring. 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 Exactly. It is not right. that at all. Right. It was, th- they came up with the idea. They came up with the beers. It was totally all of them doing it. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of an honor. They took our existing recipes and then did their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you. All of them were good. I, I had the last one that I hadn't had last night. Um, but I really think that the B-52, which is a small brewery in Conroe. They, they knocked it out of the Yeah, they took incredible. our Amber Ale, which is our first beer that we ever brewed back in 94. And then it's totally different. I mean, it's not similar at all if you taste the two right next to each other. Uh, but it's a little bit sour. They added some fruit to it. I think, um, it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I've had three of those, I think, <laughs> since Monday <laughs> night really at various venues. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- I think that's a good thing about craft beer. If you're going out, try all of them and see what you like. Just because I said I like the B-52 one the best does not mean that's the right answer. There isn't a wrong answer. <laughs> Go and find what you like to drink and, and do that. Great advice. Yeah. All right, Lenny, so before we let you go here, last okay. question. So yeah, this, sure. is, this is something we're going to uh, start on the podcast here each week. So, uh, and, yes. Okay. Yes, you should be. Uh, so you're a married fellow. I am. Um, <laughs> how many years now? Uh, wow, uh, 13. 13, yeah. okay. So what we're going to ask all of my uh, listeners here uh, is to send in, and we're going to ask all of our guests as well, every now and then there's things that you have to do yeah. that you don't necessarily want to do, 
as as a married man. Okay, sure. Uh, be that going to the ballet. Okay. Uh, basically, what I like to call earning some man points. Okay. All right. If you can, <laughs> what's something that that you've had to do that your wife was like one of those where I really want to do this, but if I don't, I'm gonna get myself a lot. So uh, I'll put a different spin on it. All right. Um, I am not uh, a fan of a certain singer that my wife is, but I bought us tickets to see him at the that new Sugarland Arena. Yeah. Uh, this was a Mother's Day gift, so I made the effort to purchase them, knowing that I don't already don't like him really. Uh, so I was proactive in the matter. So I wasn't being asked to do it, and I just agreed. Yeah. So I think you get extra action because I made the effort. That's like a, to make it work. That's yeah. like a thousand extra man. Yeah, right Sturgill there. Simpson. I just. Just not a huge don't even know who fan. he is. No, no, no. Okay, uh, yeah. Intern Caroline has nothing at this point. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. But now you think Caroline is that? Uh, I no, mean, that was a good tons, effort, correct? Tons of extra points okay, for you, yeah. above uh, and beyond. Right, and she knew that I wasn't a fan, but I went ahead and got tickets. Good tickets too. Didn't skimp. Uh, like floor, like nineteenth row, something like that, wow. to see Sturgill, and I have no interest really in it at all. Did they at least have good beer there that you could make it through the show? Uh, well, I, I don't know yet. I haven't been. But oh, I, I do okay. know that we have beer there. So, so there is that. some beer. Yeah, it's not until uh, like August. Or so September. light at the end of this tunnel, potentially. Yeah. At least for the <laughs> right. evening. Yeah. Excellent. And you know, the other thing is I bought us, uh, we got an RV this summer. Like there a you go. travel trailer. There you go. And wow. my wife likes to do that. And I do too. So Perfect. That, that helps. That's good stuff. But be proactive. That would be my advice. That is, that is, you hear that, gentlemen? That is yeah. good advice from a 13 year <laughs> yeah, married man. Veteran. Be proactive at this veteran. point. Lenny, thanks so much for coming on today. We really yeah, appreciate man. it as well. And again, if you want any information about either the tribute beers, you can check out all the breweries. As we said, we've got uh, links up on our website. Just go to What's Brewing in Houston. Do a little search there. Click two. You can find the good friends at St. Arnold as well. Go find them on the east side. They make really yummy beer. And, and it's a lot of too. food. And great food. Yeah, Excellent <laughs> lunch place, that's for sure. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week's version of the Soon to Be Named podcast. I'm Justin Stapleton. Y'all have yourselves a great week. We'll catch you on the flip side.